Blessed by the service already? That was good. Between the prayers and the scripture reading and the special music and, and Colin, your mom was the loudest amen out there. I'm going to tell, tell my mom that, you know. I said, when I'm preaching, I want to hear you be the loudest person out there, okay, mom? You better, be, you better be saying amen, hallelujah. He's the best preacher in the world from the pew, okay? That's what I'm going to tell my mom. We are so grateful that you're here to worship with us. It's exciting to be in the house of God. We got a message today called God's Plan for Your Happiness. Now, before we get into that, though, I, I do want to say some, some words of uh, condolences and want to ask you to join me in prayer. Uh, my wife's grandfather uh, lives in New Zealand, and actually he lives in Christchurch, New Zealand. And uh, we went to visit him about five years ago, and that city was just recovering from a major earthquake. And it devastated the country. The earthquake was terrible. And, and five years later, they were just recovering from the earthquake, kind of coming back to life as a city and as a country, when unfortunately, as you many have heard in the news, there was a terrorist act there, and uh, a gunman entered two mosques and killed men, women, and children while they were kneeling on the floor for their Friday prayers. And so it's a terrible thing. And I just want to say two things about it. Number one, that in the manifesto that this terrorist left behind was the idea that his attack would spark a race war and a religious war. And I think that's important for us as Christians because we have the power of forgiveness. And whether we have something done to us, it doesn't mean that we have to do something back to them. And so we could defuse that bomb just in the way that we treat those who have mistreated us. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to have that attitude of forgiveness. And the second thing is that I want to encourage you to pray for them. You know, there's a lot of this mocking that happens whenever there's these tragedies. They say, oh, all you do is pray. Why don't you do something else, you know? Uh, many of you have heard those comments online. And I want to encourage you to pray because prayer is the best thing you could do for people. In fact, I was hearing an interview of one of the worshipers who had been in one of the mosques, and they had him give his account of what had happened that day. And at the end of the interview, when the interview was over, he said, excuse me, to the news reporter, he said, if I could just say one thing, one last thing to all your viewers, I need to say this. And they were ready there imagining, what is he going to say? He said, I want to ask for the prayers of everyone out there for us here of the Muslim community in New Zealand. And so don't, don't go from what politicians or other people tell you. Prayer is important. In fact, they're requesting prayers. And we know as Seventh-day Adventists that our prophecy foretells that one day we also will be persecuted. We also maybe will have violence done upon us in our places of worship, and so let us draw near to those who are hurting now as well. So please, lift them up in your prayers. Let's pray at this time as we enter our message. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I appreciate that you have moved in the hearts this week so that every person here would be moved to come into this house of worship at University Seventh-day Adventist Church and worship you on your holy Sabbath day. And I pray, Lord, that they would leave here closer to you 
with a better understanding of your will for their life and with happiness. This I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Happiness. God's plan for your happiness. I was studying the Bible uh, many years ago in the island of Guam with this uh, gentleman of the island, and we had gotten to the place where we had gone beyond Bible studies, and he was ready to start making sacrifices for God, and one of them was coming to church. And I had been studying with him for like two months. I'd been telling my wife, it's so exciting because tomorrow I'm picking him up for church. If you've ever studied the Bible with someone from beginning to end, and you've seen the little progresses that they made, it's exciting when they have these victories. And so I was ready to pick him up when I pulled up that morning at his apartment complex. He was not to be found. I asked around, and I said, you know, where is he? And they pointed me to the jail. And so instead of driving him to church that morning, I found out that I had to go to jail to find out about him. And this is the story of a man seeking happiness that he told me. He said, that Friday night, after we made an agreement to, you know, go to church the next day, I had just gotten paid, you know, it was the 15th. I had some money, and it was my cousin's birthday, and, and we decided to be happy. And you know what happiness is in the islands? It's by a, a case of beer, it's a get some meat, you know, watch some sports. And so there they were, eating their food, drinking their beer, happy, or trying to be happy. When all of a sudden, after a couple of beers, that man that had been studying with felt that someone had disrespected him there. And you know, with the alcohol in his system, his judgment was impaired and being so drunk at that moment, he pulled out a machete. And he decided to go after that man, striking him a couple times. He said that he doesn't remember that. And he woke up that morning, not in church, not in the church pew, but on the concrete floor of the local jail, charged with attempted murder. And when I met him, this was his statement to me. Pastor, all I wanted to be was happy. That's all I was trying to do, just be happy. And really, isn't that the truth about all of us? Aren't we just trying to be happy? That's the reason you wake up in the morning and go to your job, it's to be happy, right? That's the reason you get married, it's because you wanna be happy. That's the reason you travel, it's because you wanna be happy. And that's the reason that you're here this morning, because you want to be, you want to be happy. You want to be happy. In fact, I think only a crazy person would say, I don't want to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy. But if everybody wants to be happy, how come everybody isn't happy? Well, I think it takes more than just a desire to be happy, to be happy. Do you agree? Because you could want to be as happy as more than anybody else, but it doesn't make you happy. Because to be happy, there's a secret. To be happy, there's a what? There's a secret to be happy. And, and, and you're in luck because you're in the right place to find that secret. You know, every good thing in life has a secret to it. Have you guys noticed that? I mean, 
Have you noticed that when there's a family gathering and the women cook a certain dish, maybe a potluck, when everybody cooks the same dish? I remember I used to attend a Filipino church. I used to pastor a Filipino church. And the number one dish of the Filipinos is, oh, there's no Filipinos here, is pancits. Have you heard of pancit before? It's a noodle. And you would come to potluck, and it's not like here at U Church where you come to potluck and every dish is different and you don't know what they are because there are different cultures in different countries. Over there at that church, there was 10 bowls of pancits. Everybody would bring their pancits. But people would come up to me when I was a new pastor and say, Pastor, you know one of the sweet ladies in the church? Pastor, uh, eat this pancit, but don't eat that pancit. I'm like, they all look the same to me. No, pastor, they're not the same. And I found out that some pancit tastes better than, than other pancit. And the reason was because you could follow a pancit recipe, but those old Filipino mothers who have been cooking for a while had that little secret ingredient that no one knew about. How about you, mother? How about you, wife? Do you have a little secret ingredient that no one knows about? There's always that secret to things that are important. I remember one time we uh, were trying to get into a building, and uh, I think it was one of my old houses, and I sent my wife to open the door, and she was there with the key, trying to open the door for like five minutes. And she said, this key is not the key to that door. I said, yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Try. Again, she tried again. She tried. Finally, she gave up and said, this is not the key. So I came to the door, and I put the key in. I leaned against the door. From the bottom, I lifted the door up, and I leaned a little bit to the left, and it opened. And I say, see, it's the key. It just had a little secret to open it. The Bible tells us there's a little secret you need to know to receive happiness. Let's go to our verse now. Thank you so much, Winnie, for reading that. I have discovered that instead of me reading all these big verses, we should just give it to someone else, and they could enjoy the benefit of that too. But we're going to go to the first verse of our Bible reading for today, which is found in Psalms chapter 119 and verse 1. Psalms 119 and verse 1. And you have it also behind me here on the screen. And we're going to read just the beginning there of the chapter, verse 1. This is what the Bible says. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Now, you know, I, I'm getting my master's in pastoral theology, so I'm becoming an expert in Bible language. So let me just share a little bit of that knowledge with you. Blessed is Bible code word for happy. Blessed, in some translations of the Sermon on the Mount, remember that, blessed is, blessed is, blessed is, some of the most modern translations of that say, happy is, happy is. So when you're looking at Psalms chapter 119, verse 1, and you see the word blessed, you're really reading happy is the one that walks in the undefiled way and who walks in the law of the, of the Lord. Blessed means happy. So what is this trying to tell us? 
This is trying to tell us that there is a road that leads to happiness. There's a what? A road, a path, a way that leads to happiness. Are you with me so far? Huh? I want you to be happy. I want you to be happy. The Bible's telling us there is a way that leads to happiness. So why are people not happy? Why are people not happy if there's a way, a path, that leads to happiness? Well, let me give you a little, little, little maybe example, illustration to help you understand. Let's just throw a city out there. Let's say the city has happiness. Let's throw out Los Angeles, California. I'm from California. I've been there. I'm not saying that that's the most happiest place in the world, even though it does have Disneyland there. But let's just say that's the happy place. And to be happy, you have to take the road that leads to, to Los Angeles, where you're going to be happy. You're right, to be happy. So you get in your car, and you start driving to Los Angeles, California. And you're driving with your friends and with your family there, when all of a sudden someone decides to pull out the map and they realize that you're not going to Los Angeles, California. You're actually headed towards the east. And they say to you, well, wait up, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. And you say, no, I'm not. I know how to get there. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. And so you keep driving and you drive out of Michigan. What's the next state over going to east? Then you get to Ohio, and, and you, you're going to happiness, but you're going in the wrong direction. And your friends and family are tired of telling you you're going in the wrong direction because you know the way. And then you get to the next state, which is Pennsylvania, I think then Virginia, and you're driving, and, and while you're driving this way, the years are passing by, you're getting older, and finally, you get to New York City, and you're old. Your best years are past. Your years to be happy are gone. And you're sitting there in a parking lot in New York City, and you say, happiness is a myth. Happiness is something that people tell you but doesn't really exist. I've chased happiness, but it's not here. What's the problem? The problem is not that happiness isn't there. The problem is that you've been heading in the wrong direction. Because the Bible tells us that there is a way to be happy, and there's a path that is there, and there's a way that is there, but the way you've been going is the wrong way. Isn't that what Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 tells us? If you go open up your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. I love the sound of Bibles opening and closing. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. Maybe you know this one by memory already. There is a way. There is a way, right? There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is a way of, of death. 
So here you've been chasing happiness. You've been chasing happiness in that person. You've been chasing happiness in that career. You've been chasing happiness in that university. You've been chasing happiness in your first, second, or third marriage. You've been chasing happiness through your children. Oh, my children are going to make me happy. If they're successful, I'll be happy. You're chasing happiness if your preacher preaches good sermons or bad sermons. You're chasing happiness if someone says good morning to you at church or not. You're chasing happiness in all sorts of ways, but you're not finding it. And you're saying, you know what? This happiness in the Christian life is an illusion. It's a myth. It's not for real. And I'm saying to you, you're absolutely wrong. The only problem is you're on the wrong path. You're on the wrong way. Because the Bible says there is a way to happiness. The Bible says, happy are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So how do I become happy? By getting on the right way. And who or what is the way? Ooh, it's getting exciting now. Because we're going to bring in a name that's special to me and special to you. Because John chapter 14 verse 6 tells us what that way to happiness is. John chapter 14 verse 6. Let's start with verse 5. Sorry, verse 5. Because the question is there. The question that all of us have this morning. What is the way to happiness? When the disciple says in John chapter 14 verse 5 to Jesus. In John chapter 14 verse 5. There we are. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the the way? And Jesus responds to him in the following verse, John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, the way of happiness is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, what does that mean? That's like, you know, that's church talk. That's spiritual talk. One time an old lady came up to a, a pastor and said, what do you mean he's the way? I mean, do like I walk on Jesus? Like, what does that mean? How can I step and walk on Jesus? How is he the way? How is he the path? That's a good question, right? Sometimes we're out here preaching and we think everybody gets it, but you really don't get it, but you say amen anyway because you want to seem like you do get it. And you're thinking everybody else gets it except me. In reality, probably everybody else doesn't get it. And so the pastor explained to her this way. What does it mean that Jesus is the way? Well, he said, many years ago, I was a missionary in the jungles of Brazil. In the jungles of Brazil, they don't have paths. They don't have ways. And so this pastor, to get around his district and visit all the church members who live in these little villages, decided to hire an indigenous guide who knew the area. And this guide was really good, except one day, they were walking together through the jungles, and the pastor noticed that for the first time in all their journeys, this guide looked confused. He was kind of like, he would take one step here and, then another step there, and, and so the pastor was kind of like, ha, huh, I got you this time. You're finally lost. And he said, hey, tell the truth. You don't know where you are, right? 
you're lost. Why don't we go and you show me the path? Show me the path and I'll decide where to go because you're lost. And this guy looked at the pastor and he took him to an overlook and he said, look for the path. He, he moved that brush to the side. He made him look at all the jungle expanse and he said, do you see a road out there? Do you see a path? Do you see a walkway out there? There's nothing but jungle. Here, pastor, I am the path. I am the way. The only way to get out of here is by following me. So what does Jesus mean when he says, I am the way? I am the path? He's saying that he is the way to happiness if you follow his lead. If you follow his what? Example and lead. And what kind of example did Jesus leave us? He left us an example of perfect obedience to God's law. That's why the verse says in Psalms chapter 119, verse 11, happy or blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And if you walk in that way, you're following the example of Jesus of keeping his commandments. So what is the secret to happiness? It means you get on the right way and the right road, and that is the way of obedience or happiness. You will be happy, the secret, the key, through obedience. I know that's not really an exciting message for 21st century Christians like you, Seventh-day Adventists. You're like, obedience? That was the secret? Keeping the commandments? That's the secret to happiness? Yeah, it is. It totally is. You should be excited about it. Because, you see, keeping God's law doesn't, you keeping God's law doesn't make God, it's not to make God happy. When you keep God's law, you become happy and God is happy because you're happy. Let me repeat that again. We don't keep God's law to make God happy. We keep God's law to make us happy. And when we're happy, God is happy. And you know that's true if you've had children, right? Because I'm behind my children about obeying me. Not because when they obey me, I'll be like, oh, I'm so happy they obeyed me. Right? Why are we after our kids to obey us? Because we know if they obey us, they will be safe and happy. And when they're safe and happy, then we're happy as well. Is that true or not? So the commandment keeping is not about making God happy. Oh, yeah, you please me, you keep the commandment. No, he gave us the commandments to bring you joy, to bring you happiness. So why am I not happy if I'm a Seventh-day Adventist keeping Person, I come on the Sabbath, that's the fourth commandment. Well, I tell you why. Because there's more than ten commandments in the Bible. That's why. There's many commands in the Bible. And what we do is we get that Bible, we get the Bible, and we go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm keeping that one. Oh, yeah, 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 I could do that. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. 
Oh, um, uh, no, I'm going to skip that one. That one's not for me. That commandment, I cannot do. This one, neither. But this one, yeah, that one's good. That one's good. And, in, and that's why we have half our life blessed and half our life cursed. Because we're not getting in the path of Jesus, which was full submission, full obedience to the Lord. And you know that if you're in the path to obedience, if you just take a little detour, you're going to end up somewhere else. Is that true? (laughs) In Guam, where I was pastoring, they didn't have any street signs because the typhoons would come and blow them all down, and the government would spend millions of dollars to put them back up, and another typhoon would come and blow them down. They just gave up. There's no street signs there. So if you want someone's home address or destination, it has to be something like, yeah, I go down the street, and we see that McDonald's turn left, then there's that coconut tree that's half falling down, turn right, and then you're going to see a house with a black dog, then go straight. That's the type of directions you get. But what happens if someone gives me the directions, I'm like, yeah, turn left at McDonald's, turn right at that tree, but when I get at the dog, they told me go straight, but I'm going to turn left because I feel like it. Am I going to end up at my destination? destination happiness is only found in the path of Jesus, which means not picking and choosing what you like to obey and follow in the Bible, but being faithful to all of it because God has given it so that you can be happy. And the reason we're not happy is because we're picking and choosing to follow some and not follow others. Am I speaking to someone here this morning? Are you guys all perfect? Hmm? Are you all happy? Y'all completely keeping the law of the Lord. Maybe, maybe it's too true. That's why I got quiet in here. It's like, mm, he's speaking to me. Mm, I better not make any emotion because people might think he, I feel that in my heart. Mm, I'm not happy and now I know why. Mm. Now, I want to get back to our Bible reading plan. For those of you who don't know, we're going through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, as a church. I'm excited about that. I've been preaching about that. This reading this week was on the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is a powerful book because it starts with the speech of Moses when God has told them, you cannot enter the promised land after all he's been through. They said, you cannot enter. And so now Moses accepts that, submits to God, and he has one last speech to give the Israelites before he dies and they enter the promised land. And so Deuteronomy like 2 all the way to almost the end is a powerful speech of Moses. And Moses knows that the Israelites have this false understanding that they're going to be happy just by entering the promised land. Because here they are coming from the desert, entering the land of milk and honey, and they assume that they're going to be happy just because their physical situation has improved. But he knows that true happiness only comes through obedience. So you could be living in the land of milk and honey, but things could be going really bad because you are not obeying God fully. So he preaches and preaches about keeping God's commandments because we love him. And Deuteronomy chapter 11 is kind of the last punch, the last appeal, the end of this powerful sermon that he has given to the people. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18, all the way to verse number 29. Is it okay if we read a little Bible here this morning? For those of you who did not read your Bible reading plan this week, don't worry, I got you. We're going to cover a little bit of it. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18 says these words. If you're there, please say amen. If you have glasses or have good enough vision to look up here, say amen. All right. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 18, Moses' last speech to the Israelites as they entered the promised land, thinking that the promised land equaled happiness, but it wasn't the promised land that equaled happiness. It was obedience. Moses knows that, and he presents to them this final charge. Therefore, You shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of heavens above the earth. Moses knows that true happiness is found in keeping the word of God and obeying it. So he's saying, you're going to talk about this when you wake up, when you go to sleep, when you're walking. You're going to be mentioning it to your kids all the time. You're going to be writing it down. You're going to be carrying it with you all the time. Do we have that type of connection to the word of God? Maybe sometimes we're not even obeying him because we don't even know his commands in our life. So his final charge is keep it always in front of you and your children. And he continues in verse 22. For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways. That's the way of happiness. That's the way to happiness. Obedience. And to hold fast to him. Then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. And this is the last powerful charge. Maybe you've heard of this before. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. Behold, I set to you before you today happiness and unhappiness. It's right here. What is it? The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods, to go after other things that supposedly give you happiness, which you have not known. Now it shall be when the Lord your God has brought you into the land which you go to possess, Then you shall put the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. What a powerful sermon, right? Appeal. I almost feel like doing that this morning, right? I'm like, choose this day. Happiness or unhappiness? You know, what side are you going to get on? That's actually exactly what he did. Because the last verse there says, and you shall put the blessing on Mount Gerizim, and the curse on Mount Ebal. Because as they were entering the promised land, there was this valley that they were going to walk through. 
and on each side of the valley there was a mountain, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And these two mountains, separated by a valley, couldn't have been more different. One of the mountains was absolutely barren, rocky, dead, nothing on it. Guess which one that represented? The curses, unhappiness. And the other mountain represented blessings. Happiness was full of trees, was full of grass, was full of life. And so as the people were walking through this valley and they would cry out the blessings from this mountain and they would cry out the blessings of the curses on the other mountain. And the idea was that as you're walking into the promised land, your happiness will be based on which one you follow. Which one you follow. Obedience or disobedience. It would be really cool if I would have brought like a mini mountain right here, right? Be like, hey guys, if you're on this side, come over here. If you're on that side, uh, too bad. God wants happiness for you. He's got a plan of happiness for you. He's shown you the way. The way is his son, Jesus Christ. And the way he walked was a walk of obedience. And Jesus Christ is coming too soon for you to be walking in the middle Cherry-picking what you're going to obey and not obey, that's the reason you're unhappy. God wants you to have joy, fulfillment, true happiness. And that means just throwing yourself completely on top of the commandments of God and saying, I cannot keep them, but through your son Jesus Christ I will, and I desire to be happy. And then you're going to come to church now with... I hope he preaches a good message because it's been a hard, unhappy week for me. I hope the special music is good because it's been an unhappy week for me. I hope the song service leader picks the best song and says, I need songs to lift my spirit up. No, no, no. You're going to be coming here rejoicing with joy because through obedience, you have found peace, joy, and happiness in the Lord. Simple as that. You want to be happy? Obey the Lord your God. This week, um, I'm going to continue to use illustrations of my daughters until they could understand. <laughs> this week, my daughter um, was with me and a friend, a pastor who came over. We both have two little girls about the same age. Our wives went shopping. You know, we, we, we gave them a break. We told them, hey, you know, go. We got it. Dad's, dad's in charge. Don't worry, no harm will come to your children. I spoke too soon. Because I looked out the back door, and I realized that there was an awesome possum, as I call him. You think possums are awesome? They're scary looking, right? They have like the tail of rats, the teeth of sharks. I mean, they just, they, they don't look nice. But that's why I moved in the country, because I want my daughters to experience nature and, you know, these creatures. And so we told the girls, our two-year-olds and our four-year-olds, get dressed. We're going to go out, and we're going to, you know, look at the possum. My idea was, like, to look from far away. And uh, while we were getting the little ones ready, our older daughters got dressed, and they took off out the door. And they ran in that backyard after that possum. 
And uh, when we realized what happened, we grabbed our two-year-olds and started running after them. We looked in my backyard, nowhere to be seen. But I have a little wooded area at the end of my backyard. And, and we ran there, and there we found two little four-year-old girls around a, 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 you know, a tree maybe this thick, not that thick, and, and they were both looking up. And when we looked up, there was this little branch almost breaking at the top of that tree, and the possum was just hugging it with all his might, looking down in fear at these two little, I don't know what he thought, monsters trying to eat him. And, and when I thought about that, I thought, wow, my little girls, my little girls had no idea the danger they were in. They just wanted to love and hug on that awesome possum. That possum had no idea that he was in danger of hugs and kisses. He thought he was in danger of death. And many times, I think that we have a complete misconception of God's plan for our life, just like both of them had. We think that God's plan for our life is unhappiness. The more sour we are, the more holy we supposedly are. The more serious we are, the more sanctified we supposedly are. But we got it all mixed up. We got a misunderstanding. God wants you to be happy. That's why he's giving you the Ten Commandments. It's not burdensome. It's your keys to joy. And if you keep them, you will find that joy. And when you're joyful, he's joyful. And he wants that for your life. So this morning, I want to ask you, do you want to follow the path of Jesus, the path of obedience that leads to full joy with Jesus? Anybody want to do that? Anybody want to do that? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we have the secret ingredient to joy and happiness and peace and fulfillment. Lord, let us not seek it in other places that offer false happiness, false joy, false fulfillments. Let us remember that it only comes through the way that you have shown us. We know it, but give us through your spirit the power to walk in that way. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. We all say, amen. Let us stand for our closing song at this time, family.